Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm delighted to be your host. I'm a transformation specialist and I work with retailers and brands to help drive transformation forward. As a consultant and advisor, I've worked with many big name retailers and global brands to deliver projects like creating a new business proposition, unlocking new revenue streams, expanding internationally, integrating acquisitions, defining operating models and optimizing processes. By working together, I can help you to navigate disruption and accelerate positive, profitable change. Thank you for tuning in today. This one is episode 255, number 255. Classic growth in the retail market has slowed. And as many channels mature, especially e-commerce, of course, it becomes much harder to take market share. And in a fiercely competitive market, there's always going to be another company that is ready to sacrifice their own margin and cut prices to drive volume and hopefully their long-term success. And by sacrificing this margin and cutting prices, often it's a quick way to evoke a rapidly escalating price war where the consumer wins and businesses make no money and ultimately pay the ultimate price, right? Now, last time on the podcast, episode 254, we spoke about when transformation is not transformation. Well, this time we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum and think about when transformation is definitely a massive change, a huge fundamental shift to the business. Today, we're going to be looking at moving beyond the traditional business model. And many, many retail businesses are now looking beyond their classic boundaries, their classic scope, and venturing into new businesses that are either highly innovative or very different to the core business that exists right now. Everything from retail media through to different technology as a service options, and really wherever your imagination takes you. Before we dive into the details, be sure to head on over to the show notes at obandco.uk slash 255. Over there, you're going to find more details on some of the insight that I'm sharing today, as well as some links. There's going to be some suggested episodes to listen to next. And if you've not already done so, then sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my weekly email absolutely for free, helping you to understand how the retail market is evolving. Sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing at obandco.uk slash 255. Recently, Bain conducted some research into what they are calling Engine 2s. And an Engine 2 is essentially what they're calling as a new business model for a retail business. And interestingly, This research found that by 2030, so not that far away, 2030, Bain found that one third of a retailer's revenue 
could come from this Engine 2 concept, these new business models. One third of revenue. And interestingly, and importantly, around half of the profits are coming from these new business models too. So in just seven years from now, essentially, the retail industry is really going to expand into these different models. And that's going to be a function of declining margins within the core retail business, as well as moving into other highly profitable business areas as well. And for these reasons, I don't think it's possible to be a retailer right now and not think about these additional businesses. It's got to be on the agenda because, as we'll talk about later, they take time to build as well, right? This is not an instant revenue boost, an instant profitability boost, because otherwise, of course, you would have done it already, right? These transformations do take time to define, to construct, to scale up as well. Let's be honest, expanding beyond the core realms of a retail business is not brand new innovation. It is not a new creation that has just come into being, but it is an increasing theme for many companies. Amazon, I believe, are one of the most well-known examples here. Let's have a little look at their timeline about how they've expanded. So in 1995, Jeff Bezos started trading Amazon, of course, selling books, and soon after expanding into aspects like CDs and DVDs and so on. By 2005, so 10 years after launching, but still 18 years ago, they launched their Prime subscription model, which recognised the value in their most loyal customers and how they could use the Prime subscription to encourage people to buy more from Amazon. And all of this was really powering up their retail business and encouraging their iconic flywheel design to spin faster and faster. So a big innovation for Amazon to include their subscription model for Prime. Of course, originally focused around fast free delivery only. But then in 2006, they started to launch their initial cloud services that would ultimately become Amazon Web Services. And AWS has been a hugely profitable venture for them. Also in 2006, they launched their FBA, Fulfilled by Amazon Fulfillment Services, and encouraged third-party sellers and really started to expand their marketplace offering. In 2007, we saw the launch of Amazon Music, rivaling the likes of iTunes as it was back then. And then also in 2007, we saw their own device, the Kindle e-reader, come to market. And that, of course, has developed into a whole series of other tablets and consumer devices. In 2011, we saw Amazon Video start with their acquisition of Love Film. 2012 saw the launch of Amazon Ads and really the birth of this retail media movement that we're seeing right now. And that advertising platform was to encourage sellers to pay to promote their products, get higher up the listings, gain more awareness and in turn volume and profitability, hopefully. In 2014, Alexa was welcomed into the world with their Echo device, helping to encourage smart homes. This is still nine years ago, by the way. In 2015, Amazon launched their Air service and started buying aeroplanes. Then in 2018, we saw the opening of Amazon Go, 
and their Just Walk Out technology. And then a couple of years after that, 2020, this Just Walk Out technology started to expand as they offered the technology as a license to other retailers, with the first third-party Just Walk Out store opening in 2021. And this technology licensing also now includes their Amazon One Pay by Palm payment service as well. And they launched Amazon Care in 2019 as a healthcare offering, initially to their employees, but expanding that. And of course, the COVID pandemic allowed Amazon and in particular their logistics services to expand into the healthcare function a lot. So as you can see, Amazon have expanded that initially core retail offering into many, many different disparate avenues. And I'm sure there are plenty more that I haven't mentioned as well. But what's also interesting is the time that it takes for some of these ventures to really gain traction. You know, Amazon Ads has been around for 11 years already. And it was only a few years ago now that there started to be industry attention on the Amazon ads business as the platform had scaled up to a size where it was generating not only strong margins as a percentage, but strong profit numbers in terms of dollar value. So all of these offerings have been around for many, many years now. And when we start to think about where will we be in another 11 years or 20 years, whatever, you know, what are the small little innovations that are being seeded right now that will be propelling companies like Amazon to future success. So I believe, given Amazon's timeline, given Bain's research, you need to start thinking about this right now if you've not already done so. And if I can help you with that thinking, with that planning and bringing it into reality, then do reach out. I've worked with other retailers to define these new business propositions and open up new revenue streams. And I'd love to help you with that as well. So reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn or email me on oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And I'll be sure to put my contact info on the show notes as well at obandco.uk slash 255. But there's still lots to go through today. So let's continue on. Where I'd like you to start is to really think about how you can make the most of the assets that you already have in the business, which are worth nothing from a financial perspective. They are valueless when it comes to the P&L. And sure, they may hold value, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Some examples could be around eyeballs or footfall. You know, what's the traffic towards your retail business? Or perhaps a customer community that sees a huge amount of brand love or perhaps actually you're thinking about brand trust and even just being associated with the brand of your business is highly valuable, but again, worth nothing on the P&L. Maybe you've got expertise and specialist knowledge that other businesses would really value. you know, And this is important when you factor in elements like sustainability or AI, for example. They're going to be of particular interest to other businesses right now and increasingly in the future as well. You know, think about your relationships across the industry with the supply base, with vendors, of course, with customers, as we've already spoken about as well. Think about what consumer insights you own that are not widely available 
or intel about particular buying behaviours or habits, for example, that could be highly valuable to others. And in turn, also, think about the vast volumes of data that you have. Is there an opportunity there to think about the value held in that asset? And there's lots more of these different assets that are worth nothing financially. So do take a look in your business. But it's also important to consider a classical asset, a literal asset that is worth something financially, but it is not at full utilization. So maybe that's around your store network or warehouse space or transport or operational capability or particular aspects like graphic design or studio or content production. There are going to be loads of different parts of the business that are not at full utilization right now. So when you consider all of these assets, and I'm going to use the expanded term right now, all the things we've just spoken about, you know, think about how they're actually being recognized as valueless right now in terms of a financial performance to the business. They have no direct impact to the P&L. Now, of course, there is indirect value. You know, if you have an insanely high customer footfall to your stores, one would hope that would translate to high sales, right? And if not, then there's probably a massive opportunity there for you. But just having the footfall is not the direct delivery of value to the P&L. So think about how you can take these valueless assets and exploit them to a customer or customer base that would value them and would pay for them. You know, let's take that concept of eyeballs and footfall. You turn that into value by looking at a retail media business, right? Because there are brands that are willing to pay for awareness. Does that make sense? And this important asset or series of assets is what is going to help you to create a unique business that can be scaled relatively easily rather than just saying, hmm, what should we do? (laughs) Let's conjure up a new business idea. Start with thinking about those assets that are not delivering value directly to the P&L. And then you want to start thinking about new business models as well. So the classic business model of retail is to buy products in bulk, move them and sell them in singles. Buy, move, sell. Or if you've got an element of production, you're talking about buying the raw materials or at least part processed materials, creating them, moving and selling. But those are the classic models. And I'm sure you've been thinking about optimizing them and transforming them for years. But this is about working in a different way, thinking about different inputs and outputs, thinking about different customer types, especially if you're considering a move into B2B or business to business, which might even include selling to your own competitors. And think about the value that you're adding from those assets as well. They're going to be an input most likely. What are you going to do with them? And that's going to help you to define the new business model. Because a business model is about value add, I would suggest. You know, what is the value that you are adding? In that classic buy, move, sell model, you are buying in bulk. You are moving them close to the customer and splitting them out. And then you're selling them, right? The value is the moving and the splitting. If you're producing your own products, the value is in the creation turning the raw materials into the finished product, right? And then a little bit on the moving as well, but mainly that creation piece. So in the new business model, what is the value going to be? 
And I should say these last couple of thoughts, they're big things, right? They're not the sort of thing that you sit down in a small meeting and you say, right, next agenda item, what's our new business model, right? (laughs) It takes a long time to craft and forge what the right business model is for you and for the future of the business and allow it that time to percolate. So given these two elements of thinking, I wanted to use some different examples to help illustrate. So we touched on retail media already, and there are loads of great examples, Amazon ads, Walmart, Tesco, Carrefour, Target. There's lots of coverage of retail media. So I'm not going to dive in too deep, but you might enjoy listening to episode 214 with Ricardo Belmar, where we were exploring the evolution of retail ads and retail media networks. Let's think about retail as a service. The asset here is the operational capability and the spare capacity. Examples include Amazon and their FBA and shipping services, or THG and their Ingenuity service, where they're offering a suite of different services from studio and content creation through to translations, through to creating websites and warehousing. Walmart have got a huge store network and are very close to all US consumers. And consequently, they're developing a local logistics network that makes the most of this estate, as well as their transport capabilities. Ocado have got real expertise and unique intellectual property and patents around their various robots and automation options. And consequently, they're offering that as a service where they're physically building a distribution network with you and adding in all of their IP and automation to help offer retail as a service. And usually these relationships for retail as a service are longer lasting, deeper partnerships. You know, companies work with THG Ingenuity for a long time. This is not a one year experiment, right? So think about if you could use your physical retail stores, your warehouse operations, logistics and fulfillment network, customer service agents, and any other operational expertise that exists within the business. Cloud services and tech solutions are another option. Amazon and Alibaba in particular are really offering huge amounts of cloud services. And AWS attracted loads of attention a few years ago in particular due to the sheer scale of the growth and the highly profitable nature of it. And that tech infrastructure that was powering Amazon allowed them to expand there. And that move into AWS allowed them more relationships outside of the classic retail industry where they could continue to serve and develop new propositions as well. So AWS significantly shifted from their initial cloud storage, you know, their S3 offering into many, many more cloud services right now. And all of the advanced AI applications that are going on right now are going to be a huge opportunity for other retailers to sell to other customers in or out of retail. And I know companies like JD.com and Amazon are already starting this as well. Then we could be thinking about investing in other retail businesses, either applying some of that retail expertise or maybe even offering the retail platform like Next are doing, for example. Maybe even it's just investing cash like what the Fraser's Group are doing right now, investing in companies like Curry's, AO, ASOS, and many, many more. And then there are loads of other sectors to expand into as well. Banking, insurance, other financial services, healthcare, telecoms, entertainment, 
and a whole host of other different services. And for all of these, you're bringing the asset of your brand reputation into these markets. And you're saying it's Amazon Care, it's Tesco Mobile, whatever it is, your brand trust and reputation is being brought and powering the the growth of this new business opportunity, this new business model. But I'd like to move into some of the watchouts and thinking about that discussion we just had about using the brand power. The first watch out is you've got to be really careful of over diluting the brand. And Tesco had expanded into many, many other ventures, their pharmacies, cafes, an expanded offering of general merchandise in Tesco Direct, Tesco Bank, and all of the different banking services, Tesco Mobile, and Broadband, their Huddle Tablet, video streaming services via Blinkbox, Giraffe Restaurants, even at one stage, Tesco Tires, allowing customers to get a new set of wheels whilst picking up the grocery shopping. And what Tesco found is, A, all of these different businesses distracted too much from the core business, and they weren't delivering the profitability, but they were taking the headspace and the attention of the exec team, board meetings, etc. But they also distracted customers as well. You know, the term Tesco Town was used as a humorous way to suggest that Tesco could do everything, right? And so what's happened since is that Tesco have retracted from many of these businesses, selling off or closing the different opportunities and really pulling the focus back into the core grocery business that has the capacity, that has the volumes, that has, although slim, the profitability that delivers time and time again for the company. So you've got to be careful about over diluting the brand, reaching too far and losing sight of the core business. Another watch out is to recognize that it is not an overnight success story. You know, wow, look at what Amazon are doing with whatever ads, just walk out, marketplace, FBA, blah, 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 whatever. From that timeline earlier on, that did not happen overnight, right? That took time to scale towards being a meaningful business. Lots of trial and error, I'm sure, behind closed doors when the numbers are so small and so insignificant that no one would ever notice, right? And even with a startup, it takes time to build a business, a meaningful business, right? And using the proverbial valueless assets within the company helps you to accelerate those timelines compared to just another startup, right? You know, Tesco Mobile will have grown vastly more than just a small little mobile company that you've never heard of, right? But in addition to these valueless assets, you need to add in the perseverance, the grit and determination, the entrepreneurial drive and the adaptability to learn and adjust as you go. But with all of this, it's still not a quick turnaround. So you've got to give it time. But nevertheless, there will be expectations within the business that this new initiative will suddenly fire on all cylinders and will suddenly be worth huge amounts of money, contributing massively to the bottom line. So it's about managing these expectations and understanding it. Another watch out connected to this is also that not all ventures work, right? When you look at startup stats, there are always these sort of terrifying stats of the number of companies that start and fail. And the same really will be true within a bigger business. You will try things out and it will not work. And then it's time to retract, like the Tesco example a few minutes ago in a way. And deciding to close a venture could be for technical reasons, it could be for commercial reasons, or even it could just be for 
strategic reasons where you want to keep that focus. But even with the technical or commercial reasons, you still need to try a number of different initiatives before you perhaps find the proverbial diamond in the rough. And to help you refine that diamond, you're going to need to use a number of different stages of expansive thinking, where you're adding more ideas into the hopper, so to speak, and then using reductive thinking to critique the ideas and narrow down the options. And then you're going to want to continue this and revert into more expansive thinking and then reductive thinking. You know, think of more ideas, condense them down to the best option for the overall business, the customers, the proposition, the operating model, the measures, and so on, so on. Each time, consider more options and then narrow them down. And this is really important when you're moving into a new territory, as we're talking about, beyond the traditional business model. You don't know the way. And assuming that the first idea is the best idea is probably not the right answer. And by the way, remember to document all of this expansive and reductive thinking so that you can revisit it and find an alternative route if you find a roadblock on one particular avenue. You know, we are in an exploratory phase here. So just like Hansel and Gretel did in the woods, remember where you have been and where you have not. But even though you want to try many different ventures to find the right one, just be careful of trying to do too many things at once and finding that none of them work because you haven't really paid the right focus and attention to really give each one a fighting chance. Another watch out is that you may need different skills than already exist within your business. You know, think about the differences. If you're moving into the world of B2B, sales and marketing is very different. You know, if you're thinking about a retail as a service offering, that is not the same as sales and marketing to consumers, right? And equally, customer service is different when you've got demanding, high value clients instead of a number of customers who, for example, want to return things. You know, resolving issues with this new business model is less about setting up and following the operating model, you know, for example, around returns, processes and policies, but it's more about problem solving a unique challenge, adding in creativity, adding in a healthy dose of resilience as well. You've got to be careful that when you're moving into new sectors and industries, there may be new regulations and compliance areas that you're just not aware of. Healthcare is a great example. Financial services, another great example. Go in eyes wide open and perhaps you need to attract new talent or expertise to help guide you on that path rather than just hoping it's going to be okay because that's sensible, right? We've all become acutely aware of the impact that global events can have on any given business. But think about how these global events would impact this new business as well. You know, would the new business model be more robust or less? How volatile is the market? How adaptable can you be? And think not just about aspects like the COVID pandemic or the Ukraine conflict or cost of living crisis, whatever things that we've had. Think about what are the new challenges that we could be looking at over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. A few minutes ago, we touched on the importance of stakeholder expectations. And that's another watch out. Winning stakeholders over is really important. And it's likely that teams are not going to be automatically aligned and in agreement with the approach. So expect lots of resistance and expect lots of 
engagement, therefore, to encourage stakeholders to understand and warm and discuss the topic, right? And one of those stakeholders that could well be against the idea are, unfortunately, your shareholders and investors who may be reluctant. It may feel like a high risk opportunity. That was not the investment that they signed up to. Equally, it might require a different type of investor. So you need to go out to the market and think about bringing them on the journey as well. Perhaps there is funding specifically for the initiative outside of the wider business, which may be more suitable to different funding or financing routes and avenues. And then finally, we touched on this again earlier, the point about distraction. You've got to be really intentional with where your priorities lie for the new business and the core business. And you've got to be intentional in terms of priorities for cash and investment and resources and work scheduling and even headspace within the organization. Now, how much time should be spent for the exec or the board or the CEO, whoever, how much time should be spent on the core business versus the new business? Because you don't want to take your eye off the ball and where you've got this cash cow in the core business, you can't ignore that, right? You've got to continue to generate that. And then this new business, hopefully, is the star that can help propel the cash cow forwards together. So there's absolutely loads to think about when you're starting to consider additional businesses and moving beyond that classic buy, move, sell retail model. You know, the retail landscape is constantly evolving, but mostly it is mature now, and those growth opportunities are much harder to come by. And so, as we saw, with all of that Bain research earlier, diversification into other business areas and opportunities is an increasing trend and increasingly rewarding as well. But the new business models are not just about the additional revenue right now. They're ensuring long-term performance. It's planning your revenues and profits for 2030, not 2023, right? And it's easy to put off planning for 2030 because let's work on the numbers right now. But if you continue to do that, suddenly you're going to be in 2029 thinking about 2030 and everyone else is going to have had years of time to grow up their additional businesses, right? So think about that long-term performance to maximize the business's chance of profitability, competitiveness, and ultimately survival. And it's also important to be relentless with this as well. Even if you achieve success with one new type of business model. It doesn't mean that you should stop there. Continue to adapt, continue to innovate, but always be careful of going too far, right? And losing the focus on the core business. But perhaps the core business evolves over time as well. And then finally, the business model that we spoke about in terms of understanding your valueless assets and how you're going to be adding value is just one part of it. You also must be clear on the operating model as well. How do you turn that business model into reality consistently? And that's what we're going to dive into in the next episode of the podcast. So do hit subscribe and I look forward to joining you for that episode where I'll be sharing some of my experience and some of the key areas that you've got to really focus on. As I say, I've worked with a number of different companies to help explore, assess, trial, and ultimately launch new business models. And I'd love to help you as well down that path. It's something that 
is so important, but it's a massive transformation, right? As we said right at the very beginning, the most fundamental type of transformation I would suggest. So if you'd like to reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn, or I'll include my contact details on the show notes page today at obandco.uk slash 255. And if you're wondering what to listen to next, then head on over there and I'm going to include some additional episodes to check out next. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate your attention and your openness and your willingness to transform better. I'll look forward to joining you in the next episode very, very soon. Bye for now.